One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Sadie Eck. And I am Courtney Eck. And it's Courtney's night. Tell us a little story. Yeah, I've got one tonight uh, prepared, so that's good. I'm not just going to be good. winging it. <laughs> good, good. That's a good first start when you're going on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, we all know how well I do when I, when I, see, here we go. I can't uh, do it go. even right mm-hmm. now. I can't say one sentence about how I cannot ad lib. It doesn't work. My no. brain doesn't want to put the words together in the right order. It wants to spell. Throw them out like pickup sticks and tell you to <laughs> good luck. Good yes. luck to you. Good luck, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> even that sentence didn't make sense. So, no, tonight I'm telling you the story of the diabolical betrayal of Larry Eisenberg. Mm-hmm. So in 2018, 64-year-old Lori and 68-year-old Larry Eisenberg had been married for 17 years and were enjoying life in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Lori and Larry? Lori and Larry. Oh. I know. In Coeur d'Alene, which is one of my favorite <laughs> city names if anyone lives yes. there. And it's also insanely beautiful. Between them, they had eight children, 15 grandchildren, and one great-grandchild. Wow. They were fairly wealthy and lived in a beautiful mountain home that they named Cougar Gulch. Larry had been an executive in the timber industry while Lori ran the Northern Idaho Housing Coalition, which is a nonprofit that helps low-income residents purchase homes. Lori had married her high school sweetheart, Steve, and they had six daughters together. Lori's daughters remember having a very happy childhood where they went to church every Sunday, were encouraged to do well in school, to be responsible and kind to others. Steve ran a janitorial service, and Lori was a beloved volunteer for the Chamber of Commerce. Larry had two children, a son and a daughter, and was a successful salesman in the timber industry. Just like Lori had raised her children, he taught his kids to be honest, work hard, and be responsible. Larry's son, Dean, said he was the happiest when he was outdoors and loved taking his son on hunting trips. So Larry and Lori first met when he hired her to work as his secretary for the timber company, and the two took occasional work trips together. Wink, wink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tale as old so, as time. Uh-huh. 
Sometime after she started the job, her daughter describes that she, quote, started having some kind of breakdown because she didn't think her husband Steve was good enough all of a sudden. And on one night, she went into her closet and forced her daughters to confront their father about his shortcomings. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, so this is Lori, Lori and Larry are meeting. Yes. They're, they have a work affair. Yep. But and they are so, married to other people. Correct. And so Lori is freaking out about her husband. Well. And is making... Yeah. Yes? Yes. Yes. Okay. And is making her children confront their father about yep. his shortcomings. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she's like, oh, your father's not good enough. He's just not the bad. He's not right. He, you know, whatever. And so she goes into the closet and she's like, girls, she's got six daughters, remember? I don't know how many of them uh-huh. had to participate. Get downstairs and tell your father to get out of here. Like, we don't want oh, him here. Oh, my God. Yes. Yep. That's not okay. No, very, 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 very much not okay. Huge, huge, huge red flag. Yeah. Huge. Yeah. So her daughter remembers she and her sisters yelling at him and telling him that they wanted him to leave and that they didn't want him there. Mm. One of the daughters remembers that he just said that they don't know what they're talking about. And they now know that Lori had been having affairs with men throughout their marriage mm-hmm. and that Larry wasn't the first. No. So Lori and Steve got a divorce and Larry followed suit a couple of years after that. And so the two were married in 2001. Despite the dishonest beginning of the relationship, Lori's daughters loved and respected Larry and were so happy to see their mom happy. And I don't exactly know how old the daughters were, but I'm guessing they were like preteens and teens when they had to scream at their father to well, leave their yeah. home. I was gonna you say, know? It seems like old enough to know what to be how extremely to do that damaging. Like, yeah. Yeah. Ugh. And the time you're supposed to be like bonding and getting closer to your father, your mother's like making you reject him. Cool. Yeah. Super cool. Good parenting. That's terrible. So the couple built Cougar Gulch which their kids described as a mountain paradise with multiple gardens, a fishing pond, and a working windmill. They also traveled all over the world together and spent time together hunting and fishing and enjoying the outdoors. Lori's daughters say that Larry had so much love and admiration for his wife, and the kids would joke about how much they loved each other. Hmm. So on the morning of February 13th, The couple had plans to wake up before sunrise and then sail 16 miles across Lake Coeur d'Alene to have a Valentine's breakfast at the Coeur d'Alene Resort. And the lake, right? The lake is like very long and skinny. So it's not like a big round one. It's just kind of looks, it looks more like a river. It's so long, just, Mm -hmm. just for reference. So they woke up and took off as planned, but sometime later... Lori called 911 to report that Larry had had a stroke, had fallen overboard, and she had tried to save him but couldn't find him. Lori. She wasn't sure where they were on the lake, but dispatchers were able to use GPS to triangulate her location and send help. Lori said that around four miles into the trip, Larry had gone to fix something on the bow and all of the color had drained from his skin, and then he'd fallen overboard. On body cam footage of Lori's first interaction with the police, she can be seen saying, quote, he said he didn't feel good, and he was doing things weird. And then he went up to the motor, and the motor wasn't broken. It was the other motor. 
and she asked why he was doing that. And he turned and looked at her and quote, his face just looked awful. And then he started to fall. And I tried to get the door open and to get him and I couldn't and I fell. Hmm. So Lori had a bloody nose, which she said was the result of falling down while trying to grab Larry, but she didn't have any other injuries. The lake that Larry fell into was 130 feet deep and so cold that time of year that he would have sunk straight to the bottom. Lori was transported to the hospital for evaluation, and on the way, she contacted one of her daughters and asked her to inform the rest of the children that Larry was missing. Larry's son, Dean, said that his father had texted him a photo of the sunrise that morning around 6.40 a.m., and he'd laughed because he couldn't believe they were taking the boat out in the cold weather, but didn't think much about it, assuming they were just trying something new. Because again, it's February in Idaho. I lived in Idaho in November, and there was like two feet of snow on the ground at that point in time, right? Oh, it's so cold. So cold. So investigators weren't confident that there was much of a chance of finding Larry alive, but divers searched the lake for any sign of him regardless. In the meantime, the authorities launched an investigation and met with Lori again to go over the morning's events a couple of days later. She said that at 6.40 a.m., they'd taken the photo of the sunrise and texted it to Dean before they launched the boat to go to breakfast. Police asked who had taken the photo, and she said conclusively that Larry had, and then she said that after he'd taken it, they'd stopped, quote, and stood there for a couple of minutes and hugged. She said that she dozed off for a bit in the passenger seat while Larry drove in like a cockpit, just FYI Mm -hmm. with a space heater apparently. She said that she woke up when Larry's hand hit the dashboard so hard that the kill switch was knocked loose and the key was bent in the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She said that they couldn't get the key to work once it was bent. And so Larry went to the bow to try to start the electric trolling motor and quote, had a blank look on his face and started to stumble. And then she watched as he fell overboard. Hmm. She again said that she rushed to try to help him, hit her head on the door on the way out, and that caused her nose to bleed, and police did find drops of blood on the bow of the boat. So Lori said that she didn't think she could call 911 right away because she'd forgotten her phone in the truck, which she was prone to do, and she thought that Larry's phone was in his pocket when he went overboard. She said that two hours later, she found his phone under a blanket where he'd left it, so was then able to call for help at 10.43, or like 10.23 a.m. I have 43 written down, but I think it was 23, yeah. Two hours later because she's like stuck out in the lake? Yes. So The boat boat is not working anymore. The boat is not working, correct. So the boat, when Larry... Started some stumbling, according to Lori. He knocked the key out and bent it. And so they couldn't get the, the boat to start back up. And so that's when Larry went to the front of the boat to try to start the trolling motor. But in the process of trying to start it, he fell overboard. Yeah, so she's stranded, yeah. according to her, in the middle of the lake. And she doesn't think she has a phone, but then she finds his under a blanket. Uh-huh. I'm just, I, I mean, it just, the amount of force it takes to bend a key yeah. You know, like yes. that. Mm-hmm. To knock it loose and bend it. Yep. Yeah. That's yep. not really how keys work. No. 
not how any of this works. No, I mean, right. And yeah. that's just like the first <laughs> the first mm-hmm. hole that I'm mm-hmm. noticing. <laughs> so Lori's daughters said that they were all with her the day after Larry disappeared. And while they were making breakfast, Lori came out of the bathroom and showed them her legs, which were absolutely covered in bruises. She said that she wasn't sure how she'd gotten them, but assumed she'd been running into things as she was trying to help Larry and had been too panicked to notice. Mm-hmm. So on February 23rd, police stormed into Lori's home at night with warrants to collect her electronics, computers, and boxes of records to search. Good. The first time I heard that, I was like, why would they take her record collection? <laughs> <laughs> I and all of like her vinyl me, records. <laughs> it took me so long. I rewound it multiple uh, times. And, <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, they don't need. They did not collect her vinyl record collection. They collected her, um, pa- her paper documents paper and records. records. Yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days after that, police returned and ran into Lori's daughter on the porch and asked if she was home. She emerged from the house a couple of minutes later and said that Lori wasn't feeling up to being interviewed and asked if they could reschedule. And police were like, uh, no, Mm. (laughs) and arrested her. (laughs) That's not really how this works. I don't feel like being arrested today. So could you come back tomorrow? Just being so casual. So the craziest thing is that they weren't arresting her for murder or reckless boating. Her charges were one count of grand theft and 40 counts of forgery. Oh, uh, Lori. So two weeks before Larry's disappearance, he and Lori had just returned from a family trip to Florida and were preparing for a huge road trip out west in their RV. And Lori was called into her office for a meeting before they left. So Larry's fully retired. Lori is still working as a director of this housing coalition. Mm-hmm. I get the sense that she can kind of do it from wherever at this point or, you know, whatever, but um, she is still employed. And she's the second in command, essentially. Like, she has a boss above her, but she's, like, the a big, big boss in the coalition. So the board had come across some financial irregularities in the bookkeeping that they wanted to ask her about. Even more concerning, they found copies of checks that should have been signed by the board but had Lori's signature on them instead without board approval. Mm. Lori apologized and said that she'd signed them because she knew they were all so busy, and so she didn't want to inconvenience them, and so just signed them herself. No big whoop. No big, <laughs> nothing to see here, people. Mm-hmm. Lori's boss and the board agreed at that point to put her on paid administrative leave so that they could investigate the suspicious bookkeeping but they weren't too concerned about it initially because she'd been such an amazing employee for the entire time she'd been there, and they assumed she'd just gotten too casual and needed to be reined back in on their policies. But that was not at all the case. Hmm. So upon further investigation, they learned that Lori had been stealing from the coalition for at least three years, and in the end, she managed to steal somewhere between, according to them, they were like, we think around 900000 to a million dollars. My God, that's a so much money. Significant amount of money. And so she was fired. Big surprise. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's, a, I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money. Yep. But, I mean, that's the thing about nonprofits. You know, they can, 
You could bring in a lot, a lot, a yeah. lot, a lot, a lot of money. Not and really notice when a million dollars is missing. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, and we've talked about this before, but that's part of the reason I got out of nonprofit work and not to, like, I don't want to discourage people from going into nonprofits, but I think you can ask just about anybody who works for a nonprofit, especially one that's state funded or federally funded. And real quick, you're like, oh man, these people are making way too much money for the amount of work they're doing. You know, there's just a lot of, a lot of ways to um, take advantage of the system, I will say. Mm-hmm. So Lori didn't tell anyone, and not that other people are stealing money directly, but you know, <laughs> no, even yeah. even approved salaries, in my opinion, yes. were a little too high in some cases. Yes. So Lori didn't tell anyone, including her husband Larry, that she was being investigated and was on leave and was eventually fired. And just before they were scheduled to leave for their RV trip, she told Larry, sort of out of the blue, that she wanted to return to Florida so that Larry could watch the launch of Elon Musk's rocket. And so they went back. So there's a reason behind this. So Larry had a running bucket list, and he was able to cross the last three things off of it on that trip. So he saw a rocket launch, he went sailing, and he rode in a fan boat. Oh, no. I know. He planned to write a new bucket list when he got home, but he never had the chance. When they got home from that trip, a couple of days before he fell off of the boat, Larry emailed his doctor because he started to feel really sick in Florida. And he said, quote, I had the shakes, terrible equilibrium, and even my brain was foggy. I am better today by quite a bit. I have every intention of living long enough that you have to make a house call on Mars. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, the local press had caught wind of Lori's theft at the coalition. And on February 12th, the day before the boat accident, they contacted her previous employer to learn more. Lori's previous boss said that they told her that they were running the story in the morning paper the next day. And she said she specifically remembered feeling terrible for Larry because his life was about to change dramatically when he found out what his wife had done. Oh, no. So as Lori and Larry were launching their Sunrise boat cruise, the newspaper was reporting that Lori had lost her job after embezzling from a nonprofit that she ran. Oh, man. Can you imagine? I mean, poor Larry in so many ways. Yep. If she hadn't murdered him, finding out that your spouse, no. like through the newspaper, no. that these things were happening, and nope. that she's just pretending like everything's fine. Nope. Yep. Like For however is, many days or weeks. Oh yeah. my God. No. Yep. yep. Like, oh. Especially when you're a millionaire. He's, you know, his estate yeah. was valued at like two to three million dollars. So you're a millionaire. You've done incredibly well for yourself. You have all these stocks that have just like crushing it in the stock market. You've been, you've just done amazing. And to find out that your wife has been embezzling money from a nonprofit that's about there right. to help people. Yeah, low-income people. It oh just doesn't God. make sense. It doesn't make any fucking sense. And so it turned out that for three years, Lori had been creating fake companies and then sending fake invoices from those companies to the coalition which she then forwarded onto the state and federal agencies that funded the coalition and they paid them. 
Wow. I mean, she doesn't give any fucks. She does not. Like, that is some Mm -hmm. fraud. Hard fraud. Hard. I think that you're going to get away with it when Mm -hmm. you're working for the government. Like, that's some some shit. Yeah, for three years. It's just, yeah, it's just, I'll never, ever... I mean, now I know that I don't even have to understand it because it's not even about anything. It's about like the thrill right. of doing just, it, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because it's, if you're desperate and you do it once, you know, you're like, oh my God, I need $6,000 or whatever. Right, yeah. yes, exactly. And so you're like, okay, I'm just going to do this and hope to God. And then I'm going to just never sleep again because I'm going to be permanently afraid that someone's going to find that. Right. Okay, that makes sense. You know, a little bit of one stealing out of desperation totally makes sense. But then to just to continue to do it for mm-hmm. three years to the tune of a lot, uh, several hundreds of thousands of dollars. <sighs> yeah. When your husband's a millionaire. When your husband's a millionaire. <laughs> Come on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she later told her daughters that she, quote, earned every bit of the money that she stole because the coalition was nothing before they hired her. And so she was, mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm. And so she was entitled to the sums that she was skimming off the top. Mm Mm-hmm. And to make a horrible crime even worse, she'd set up the companies in the names of her three daughters. Oh, my God. Jessica, Tracy, and April. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. On top of that... Her daughter Amber had gone to her in 2017 because she and her husband were on the verge of losing their farm. And so Lori agreed to help them out by paying them $800 a month. Sometime after that, Lori approached Amber and claimed that the coalition was insisting she hire an assistant, but that she didn't actually need the help. So she suggested that she pretend to hire her daughter, who could then just collect the paycheck but didn't need to do any work. No. Yes. And so then four of her daughters were implicated in the crimes and had to be investigated mm -hmm, by the FBI who were able to conclusively find $576,000 that was stolen for sure. And only 50,000 of that went to her daughters. Oh, man. Mm -hmm. Yep. Were her daughters cleared? We'll get to that. Okay. No. I mean, I don't think not. you can be cleared because no. you stole money too. Yep. <laughs> like, even if you didn't know exactly what was happening. Yep. Yep. So, even more sad were the rumors that swirled after Larry's disappearance that he had been involved in masterminding the scam and had actually gone off to South America to hide the charges. Oh, really? Yeah. So, they were like, well, that's convenient. You know, he disappears on the day that the paper writes the story. Like, he obviously, and he's so wealthy. You know, I think everyone's like, wow, he was not actually, he didn't make that money. They just stole that money. Oh, no. Yeah. And since Lori's charges at that point were only for financial crimes, she was released on a $75,000 bail, which one of her daughters, Chrysalin, paid and signed for. Get (laughs) away from your mom. But they don't know, you know, at this point they have no idea. And they just have this grieving mom for as far, you know, as far as they're aware, is just devastated that her husband's missing, you know, fell off the boat right in front of her eyes. And now she's being accused of financial crime. You know, it's like, of course you're going to help your mom. And she's already been manipulating since we were born. Right. You know? So once Lori was home, she started expressing constant fear that someone was trying to frame her and that if they found Larry's body, she would be blamed. And so she said she needed to get out of her house and away from the stress. 
So Chrysalin helped her mom pack her things and they were on their way to stay at a hotel in Spokane, Washington, when Chrysalin got a call from a detective, but Lori begged her not to answer because she claimed she was too afraid to find out if they'd found Larry's body. No. Now now her daughter's abating like, ab- a bedding. Is it? Abating a bedding. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. So on March 1st, Two and a half weeks after the boat accident, a neighbor on the lake spotted something in the water just off of the shoreline, and of course it turned out to be the remains of Larry Eisenberg. The detective had in fact been calling to inform Lori of what they'd found, and Chrislin said that Lori just seemed to shut down after she found out. She didn't ask to go home to find out what happened or to be with family and instead continued to rattle on about, quote, her worries and her comforts. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. An initial autopsy found that there wasn't enough water in Larry's lungs, so they couldn't conclusively said that he died by drowning, and so more tests were ordered to determine the cause. So months passed without any evidence to tie Lori to Larry's death. And in the meantime, she started telling her daughters that she felt so sure that she would be framed and arrested for Larry's murder, or for Larry's death, that she was planning to disappear and stage her own suicide (laughs) so they would probably never see her again. And then when it came time for her first pretrial hearing, Lori did not arrive. Uh Uh-huh and had, in fact, skipped bail that her daughter had paid for and signed for. Oh, and yeah. so the bondsman contacted a, va- a now very pregnant chrysalis. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. To inform her that she was on the hook for the $75,000 bail, as well as an additional $17,000 in fees to find Lori and bring her back to prison. I never thought oh. about the fact that they also have to get paid to collect the, the pres- escapee. The- oh, mm-hmm. my God. Yep. Yep. And so Chrysalin said that Lori had called her and said, like, listen, I think I'm going to fake my own suicide. And she's like, but mom, I'm on the hook for the bail. And she was like, no, don't worry about it. Your aunt is like, we're signing it over to her or something. You know, it just, you know, of course she trusts her mother. And of course her mother fucking lied to her. So she didn't know her mother had disappeared until the bondsman called her and said, where's your mom? And she said, what are you talking about? And he said, yeah, she didn't show up today. Ta-da. Yep. So this was her very first indication of exactly the level of deceit and manipulation her mother was capable of. Oh, those And she's like eight months kids. pregnant at this point, yes. Yep. So the bondsman called the recovery phone number Lori had used to call in before. So they basically like start looking at other additional phone numbers that she's used, right? Mm-hmm. And so they called the person on the first number and that person said they didn't know who she was. So the number was a Seattle phone number and they were able to track it to a cab driver. And this part was a little confusing, but as far as I can understand, it seems like Lori had gone to Seattle and had been moving around, you know, various parts of Seattle and had been using the cab driver's phone like to check in with her bondsman and various people. Okay. Yeah. And so the like, bondsman- Like, hey, can I borrow your phone? Yes. <laughs> I don't know how many like, times. Yeah, no I don't know if it was like twice or 10 times. Wow. But anyway, yeah. So she's using this cab driver's phone number or phone to call in to her bondsman. And so they were able to ping the location of the phone to a home in Seattle. 
So the agents showed up to the home and searched it, but Lori was not there. <laughs> People were like, cab driver is like, I don't sorry. know what you're talking Like, I just was being nice and let somebody right? borrow my phone. Like, right? Please. Can you imagine just taking a lady no. around town for a day? And she's like, can I borrow your phone again? And the next thing you know, like the FBI is at your door. No. Yeah. So they found another number that had been linked to Lori, and that number led them to Temecula, California, where Lori's sister Jamie lived. They kept an eye on Jamie for a while, but again, there was no sign of Lori. So then six weeks after she disappeared, Dog the Bounty Hunter shows up. (laughs) You know, it's getting serious when Dog shows up. (laughs) And he offered his services in helping find Lori. And at that point, obviously, the case had received national attention. So Dog was like, Mm -hmm. I'm on the case. Mm Mm-hmm. So dogs' fees start at $10,000, which would also be billed to Chrysalin. Oh, poor Chrysalin, man. No, But it would, you know, the bondsman's like, yeah, this is a great way to get this case a lot more attention. So this is going to speed up the process, so it might be worth it. And so the bondsman was like just about to hire him when he got a call from Lori's attorney who said she was going to give herself up. Oh, she had finally turned herself in after four months on the lamb. Oh my God. Yeah. I'm assuming Chrislin has had a baby at this point. You know, like, yeah. You're like, I'm on the hook for somewhere in the range of $100,000. My mom is missing. She's not responding to me. Dog the bounty hunter showing. You know, like, what? <laughs> what? God. Yeah. Yes. All because my mom is a narcissist, like, yep. crazy person. Yep. yep. Who could not give a shit about her six daughters. Wow. And her grandchildren and anyone who's ever known her, including her very loving and very generous husband. So with Lori back in custody for the financial crimes, the police department brought a detective out of retirement to help them investigate Larry's death to see if they could get some substantial evidence about what had actually killed him that day, if not drowning. And so I get the sense, because I was like, why didn't they do this in the first place? I, I get the sense that they probably just thought it was a drowning. And so I don't think right. they had looked too deeply into it, I'm guessing, you know, because why would they don't have any reason to until the financial crimes show up, right? right. So I think now her, all of a sudden her it gets- running away, yeah, being going on the lamb. Now all of a sudden I think they're like, okay, shit, we need to like really dedicate somebody to this and start to pay attention. Is that, you know, not to give the police too much credit, but. The timeline was just a little bit shaky for me. So, but when I think about it, I'm like, yeah, that actually makes a little bit of logical sense. Like, now they've got her back, and they realize that she's a pathological liar. Right. She's you know? pretty diabolical, mm-hmm. and, and she's went on the run for like five years worth of crimes, essentially. Right. You know, right. it's like financial crimes are one thing, but having her husband disappear off of a boat is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. And the body showed up. Right. So. Right. That detective's first question was, why had they decided to take a sunrise cruise in 20-degree weather? <laughs> hmm And so he started his investigation by examining the photo that Larry had texted to Dean at 6.40 that morning. When speaking to the police, Lori had very confidently said that Larry had taken the photo. But when the detective looked at the metadata of the photo, he learned that it had been actually taken from Lori's phone and then airdropped to Larry's phone. Oh. (laughs) And remember that Lori had claimed that she'd left her phone in the truck too, right? right? So he also learned that Lori had a big old lying problem. (laughs) (laughs) 
Wait, really? Yeah. And another example of this is her boss reported that on the day she'd initially wanted to meet with Lori about the financial indiscretions that had come up, Lori had claimed she needed time to go to Utah to visit her grandchild who was terminally ill. Oh, no. To buy herself some time. Yes. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. If you want to mess with karma, go ahead and pretend that your grandchild is, is dying. Yeah. So you'll remember that Lori had insisted that she and Larry go back to Florida for the rocket launch, kind of out of the blue, right? They already had one trip set up and she's like, we got to take this other trip. And so the detective studied her Google searches leading up to the trip. And it turned out that she'd been making very specific searches about drowning in Florida uh-uh. mm-hmm, before she brought her loving husband down to check some of the things off of his bucket list. Oh, wow. Yep. <laughs> God. Yeah, she had uh, best been place s- to drown in Florida. Like, what? I don't want to even well, imagine those searches. Yeah, I, and I don't know if she went as specific as that. I like I watched a Dateline about this one, and they did have on the screen drowning in Florida, but I don't know if she specifically typed in drowning <laughs> right. in Florida or just like know? very deep, dangerous waters. <laughs> yeah, no, in exactly. Florida that was or, exactly yeah. what she was. Yes, that's exactly what she was. Googling so like speeds of currents, the wa- the depth of the water in certain areas, specifically where she could find the deepest water off of the coast where she was staying, that kind of stuff. So right, you know, not stuff that an average person needs to know. No, especially depth of the water, like speeds of currents. Sure, if you're going sailing stuff like you know that's important to know, but depth of the water, mm. unless you're going treasure hunting or something, right. So he also noted that Larry had emailed his doctor, like I said before, about not feeling well on the trip. And so wondered if that could have been an indication of something more nefarious. So the detective looked through the photos from the day Larry went overboard and noticed a bottle of medicine in a box in Larry's truck and was able able to conclusively identify it as a bottle of Kirkland brand Benadryl. Oh, man. Mm Mm-hmm. So the detective studied the toxicology report and found out that Larry did have Benadryl in his system at the time and that the amount was enough to cause an overdose after sending him into a state of total delirium. Oh, no. Quote, normal therapeutic levels of Benadryl, it says defamendrabinine, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, uh, in a person's body are between 100 and 1,000 nanogram per millimeter. The level found in Larry Eisenberg's body was 7,100 nanogram per millimeter. Oh my God, Benadryl is so intense. Dude, I don't. Like that I is can't, so I, much yes, Benadryl. I do not take it. No. I cannot take Metadrill. I will no, night, it makes night, me feel insane. All day long. Insane. Yeah, insane. it doesn't put me to sleep. It makes me feel like I'm going to die of a heart attack. Yeah, it makes me feel insane and then go night nights. Like I really, mm-hmm. I've taken it maybe twice in my entire life and it is bedtime for the rest mm-hmm. of the day. There, I mm-hmm. cannot, I can't fight one pill, like a pill of Benadryl. Mm-hmm. One time I took, I thought it, I didn't know what it was. I was in like high school and I had, yeah. I had a cold and I, took Benadryl, like drowsy stuff. Yeah. I had to go through the rest of the school day. I was like, I finally went to the nurse and was like, I just have to lay down. Like, I'm going to fall asleep. They didn't let me. Yeah. They wouldn't let you? No, no. They're like, it's too bad. You got to 
Oh my God. Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> Push Awful. through. Yeah. No, the first yeah. time or one of the times I took it, I was at school. I specifically remember being at mm-hmm. school and just, yeah, feeling like insane. No, it's, it's so powerful, especially for specific body types and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Laura has to take it pretty frequently because she's, she'll go into anaphylaxis if she gets stung by a bee. Mm-hmm. And so she takes it a lot. But I think if it's working on fighting anaphylaxis, your, <laughs> it's yes. like, you yeah, know. Your histamine um, reaction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the detective was able to confirm that Larry had been alive when he got on the boat that morning because the photo Larry had taken of the sunrise was a live photo. Mm. And so if you, when he pressed on it, he could hear Larry talking in the background, clearly. You know, he doesn't sound okay. under the influence at that point. Also, I don't, there's no way that she could have gotten him onto the boat by herself, right? Right. So they also found a photo of the inside of Lori's purse and there was a bottle of naked juice, like the smoothie mm-hmm. in it. And so the detective assumed that Lori had put the Benadryl in the juice and gave it to Larry. Mm. So the detective dissolved Benadryl in the same juice to experiment on himself. Oh, no, don't do it, detective. No. God. And he found that it took about 10 minutes for the pills to completely dissolve in the juice. He said that he tasted it and it tasted sweet at first and it took a minute for the medicine flavor to come through. So he speculates that Larry took several big drinks of the juice in a row, you know, like most people, especially grown men would do. Just like, oh yeah, let me have some of that. Took three or four huge drinks of it. Then he might have stumbled against the ignition key or that he and Lori struggled and knocked it loose. Once he was sufficiently under the influence of the medicine, it would have been easy for Lori to push him in or he might have stumbled into the water on his own. Right. And so to answer the question as to why there was so little or no water in Larry's lungs when his body was found, it's because that's actually a thing that can happen and it's called dry drowning. Mm -hmm. So the detectives were like, he might have died of an overdose um, and then she pushed him in, obviously, or mm-hmm. he did actually drown. Like he was he was under the influence enough that he fell in or she pushed him. And then he shows up with no no water in his lungs, you know, after the fact. But so, quote, dry drowning is a term that has been used by the media to describe when lungs of drowning victims contain no water in about 10 to 20 percent of autopsies. The reason for this is because of larniospasm. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> larniospasm. There we go. Larniospasm, which is when the body forcefully closes the airways. This can happen when water is attempting to enter the lungs. Mm-hmm. They believe that Lori, after Larry went overboard, Lori then drove the boat as far away from his body as she could with the trolling engine. And that's why divers were unable to locate his body in the area and had to wait for him to wash up onto the shore mm-hmm. instead. Makes sense. Totally. So in February of 2020, Lori was charged with the second degree murder of her husband. Lori was offered an Alfred plea, mm-hmm. which means that she was not pleading guilty, but was acknowledging that there was enough evidence that she could be found guilty at trial. The prosecutor on the case said that he sometimes prefers an Alfred plea because it shows a lack of responsibility that can come back to bite them at the sentencing, 
which mm-hmm. I never really thought about, but I was like, interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. So then at sentencing, Lori claimed that she had prepared the Benadryl smoothie, but she prepared it for herself. Oh, give me a break. Because she was planning to take her own life after she uh-huh. received the call from the media the day before to let her know that they were going to be running a story about her and so everyone would know what she'd been up to. Yeah. Well, yeah, right. She said that Larry had accidentally gulped down the drink before she could and the rest is history. She spoke about what she claimed happened on that awful day for 50 minutes. No, she didn't. Yes. So all of these children, his children, her children, all of these children are giving their victim impact statements two feet away from her. Like they are right next to her. It's COVID, so they were like behind plexiglass, but they were standing right next to her. And she's just sitting there and like, you know, actively staring at like Dean, his son, as he describes this awful experience that he's going through. And then she takes the fucking stage for 50 minutes. Uh, That makes me want to puke. Yeah. And if you're going to kill yourself, you don't do it on a boat in front of your strapping husband, right? Like, no, and not with Benadryl in a smoothie. In a smoothie, no, no, no. So every single person who knew Larry said very confidently that if he had found out about Lori's financial crimes, he would have left her with no question, absolutely yeah. no question. Because he was like Mr. Financial Responsibility too. Like that was what he was known for. He saved every right. dollar he ever made. He would like taught Lori's daughters about financial planning. He showed them how to work the stock market. You know, like he was, it was like his thing, right? Right. So the judge believed it. And Lori was given life in prison with the possibility of parole after 30 years. Wow. Yep. But, you know, she's 70 at this point, at that point. Yeah. Pushing 70. So, yep. So, three of Lori's daughters had to plead guilty to conspiracy (laughs) to commit program theft. And they received three years probation and had to pay all of the money back. They all also have felony charges on their record Mm -hmm. for life. Yep. No, no. Her one daughter was like, I can't find a job. I can't, you know, I mean. Yes. Ruined. Ruined. So Larry's two or three million dollar estate was used to pay back all of the rest of the money and the charges, like the court fees, everything. Oh my God. Yep. So his kids don't even get his estate. Not all of it. I mean, I'm assuming there is some left for them. I'm hoping because I know that the the coalition lost confidently $575,000 and then whatever court fees, bonds fee, you know, but yeah. Yep. Wow. They're out probably around a million dollars of their father's estate because their stepmother stole and murdered him. Yep. That's so terrible. Yep. And to this day, no one really knows why Lori stole the money in the first place, especially considering Larry had been willing to give her everything she had ever wanted. Yes. I mean, clearly it wasn't about the money. Nope. She's just like... And that, my darlings, (laughs) is the insane actions of Lori Eisenberg and the betrayal of Larry Eisenberg and his entire family and her entire family. Yep. That is some shit. Isn't that some shit? Wow. It really is some shit. And like, what? 
I don't under, I just, I'll never, I'll never understand it. I nope. cannot imagine when I have too much of stuff, I want to give it to every, like, I want to give it to people, right? Yep. I want yep. it to be equal and fair and helpful. And yeah, uh, when I yeah. don't, when I, I don't want to then go stealing it and murdering people and no, God. I mean, yeah, this one, I don't, you know, it's like as many times as we, as we have done this, you think that I would have started to get some footing or some understanding, but I feel like it gets worse. I feel like my misunderstanding mm-hmm. and my, like, just the mystery of it get, grows, right? Yes. And then this one in particular, it's so juvenile. It feels like she's just playing life. It feels so casual and weird and, like, Ugh, this it it really really got to me. This yeah. one, just the just the, it's so hard to put into words. It's like she's just acting in a play or something. You know, mm-hmm. she's playing a part. Yeah, I, it's like the thrill of it all, ugh. or the yeah, and the casual I mean, that's nature what feels, of all of it. So casual, just casually yeah. stealing a million dollars from from people and well, casually getting arrested. Casually, you know, yeah. Casually trying to put off her arrest. <laughs> casually evading her bond. Casually yes. killing Running, her husband. Yeah, right. Like just casually like it's, putting her children's livelihoods. Yep. Her at pregnant risk. daughter. Her yeah, ca- yeah. Casually framing her her daughters for fraud. Just yeah. like it's just yeah, like no big deal. Oh, I forgot to get an oil change in my car, and so I you know blew out the engine. Like that's what it feels like, right? Yeah, I forgot to sign my kids. Field trip, exactly. <laughs> Permission yes. slip, or yes. Whatever, like. With that, with with as much uh. energy, probably less energy. Because if I forget to get an oil change, which I did recently, and then my car wouldn't start, and I was like, "Great, I blew my engine." You know, like I'm mm-hmm. immediately like it's in stressful. A, yes, yeah, and you feel bad about it, mm-hmm. and irresponsible mm-hmm. and terrible. Mm-hmm. And it's my own car, and I have to spend my own money to fix whatever. Right, it's only affecting you. Exactly. <laughs> right. So I think she probably put less less thought and care into all of these crimes. I know she did. I mean, it's obvious. Yeah, and we know. Right. Yeah, I'm happy to know that that that's just how that type of brain works, and she feels literally no fear or shame, and so that helps me understand it because it just right. turns everything into a transactional relationship or situation, including her relationship right. with her daughters and her husband and everyone. But it's just. I, I, it's just so wild. It's so incomprehensible. Poor, Ugh. poor Larry and his family <laughs> and her kids. I just, I'll never get over it. No. Well, We've uh, talked a thousand times about how when you're a kid, uh, you just don't know better. And it takes a long time to realize uh, that what you experienced wasn't normal yep. necessarily. And so it's like that to the millionth degree. Yeah. Like to suddenly realize that your mom just does not have your yep. back at yep. all. And yep. in fact, is happy to sit completely sabotage you. I just cannot. Yeah, can exactly imagine. right. Yep. Oh, yep. well, well, good one, dude. Thank you, dude. And um, okay, so a huge apology to our Patreon supporters because I, uh, well, as we've been recording this, I got some. I mean, it's fine, but I, I, there's something I definitely need to attend to, so I don't have mm-hmm. quite enough time to do Patreon shouty outies today. That's fine. And can, I, we'll do how about we'll do maybe double up next week, and yes. I'll try to do some. <laughs> 
Yeah, there you go. There you go. So if there's anybody who hasn't gotten their shouty out yet, there wants to hear Sadie do it, especially. <laughs> Raise your hand now. Next and week, if it's bad and you don't like it, just let us know and Courtney can do it. Yeah, yeah. that's fine too. Yeah, we'll do it. We'll do a, uh, a relay race Test of run. sister. Yep, sisters at tag team in the Patreons next week. I love that idea. That's a great idea. Um, but I will do a couple of names. So you don't get left without any of the wackiness at the of the end of the episode. Okay. Um <laughs> there's a small city. One of our listeners was born and raised in a small city right next to Toledo called Mommy, Ohio. <laughs> Good job. You understood the assignment. If there's uh-huh. any if anyone's living in a state that's got mommy. funny names, it's your responsibility to sum them to Mommy. M-A-U-M-E-E pronounced mommy. Cute. There's Horny's store in Clinton, Indiana. <laughs> Yikes. There's someone named Hugh Ray. Oh, oh my God. That's amazing. Throw my phone. <laughs> There's a patisserie in Portland called Champagne Poetry. Yes. <laughs> La-ti-da. Do you not believe that establishment was open when we lived there? And I regret no. every minute we of that. We would not, not be have true. been invited in. No, I do not have the <laughs> proper have address code there. for champagne poetry. Are you kidding me? I would have no. just worn my wedding dress at all times when going to champagne poetry. <laughs> um, there's somebody with the first name that is just the letter E. No. I know. Fuck it, man. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, exactly. I don't know. Can't think of anything else. <laughs> A, B, you? C, D, E. e. Good. Done. Yep. Fine. <laughs> What's your child's name? E. e. No. Elizabeth? That's enough. E. Elizabeth? <laughs> nope. Just E. Uh, there is Josh Gad. <laughs> 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 William purple. Psalm song. That's so pretty. Psalm song. Wow. Wazy LaRue. Fucking give me (laughs) it. Give me it. God, if I could come back as Wazy LaRue, please. Seriously. Wazy? Wazy LaRue. With a W. Mm -hmm. Wow. Woody Wood. Yep. (laughs) That. Nailed that one. Parents, good job. Uh-huh. Last name Superman. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I was in a in a GoFundMe the other day. You know, like looking at people who've donated and comments, and so you just like you do if you have ADHD right. and just have to know yes. everything. Yep. So some of the angels that I saw that had donated: Charmly Lindor. What? Wah-wah. I know. If like if I can't come back as Wazy Larue, please let me come back as Charmly, Charmly? Lindor. That is wow. so pretty. Courtney Cloud Thomas. Oh, oh. <laughs> Crimson Jordan. Like, if you're not going to be, like, you're not set up for success with a name like Crimson Jordan, I do not know yeah. what. No. Izzy Gresham. What? Wow. And Kiana Limon. Come on. Hell yes, you guys. <laughs> Hell yes. <laughs> Stamp of approval. I, ca- I was like, Oh my God, Charmly Lindor, that's such a... Whoa, Jamitith... What? And I just kept cr- scrolling down and I finally had to stop because I was like, I got to get out of here. These are too many good names. <laughs> I was watching a TikTok that came up like they do and the guy was like, you know what I love is names that are f- the first and last name are the same. And he was talking about... And I was like, I felt like he stole it from us. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like offended. I was like, um, excuse me. I was like, wait, no, we are not the only people in the world that no, have can appreciate, appreciate funny all. names. So we don't have a like a trademark. We've just done this it hardest and longest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Thanks to you guys. Right. Um, Raina Colt Lacoyo. Raina Colt Lacoyo. I mean, come on. Come on. Nicole Calipi. This oh. is, I feel like these are all characters in the most beautiful story ever written yes. today. This week is just, come on. Lauren Maringer. Oh. Stella Dubrava. Wow. So it continues. Martina Cummins. Oh. And Hannah Knitter. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've gotten this one before, but I'm bringing it back because it's so freaking cute. And we just got it again this morning. In Australia, there's a, in Australia, there's a place called Tit Wobble Lane. <laughs> It's <laughs> also where I live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, all kinds of wobbles. All kinds of wobbles of the lanes. <laughs> I love them all. Um, yes. All right. If you guys want to spend more time with us, you can find us on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube at They Will Kill. You can go to our website, theywillkill.com. You can email us at theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> Yeah, you can rate and review and subscribe to us, please. Yes. We got a lot of nice reviews this week from all over the world. Oh, I didn't see them. Holy shit. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Yeah, really nice. Normally when the email comes through, I can see, like, that's the first thing that you can see, and I didn't see it, so I didn't open the email. So I'll go take a look. Thank you, guys. Yeah, they're there. And thank you, AJ Bergens, for your music. I'm going to be up in that town real soon. Where mm-hmm. those Bergansas live, and I'm mm-hmm. dying of excitement. For yeah, it. well, little do they know that I'm sending you to some to to um, <laughs> serve, serve them. papers. Yes, yep, emancipation. Mm-hmm. Are we Just, emancipating from the babies? We're emancipating from the parents, and then we're going uh, to sue the babies so they won't be <laughs> pr- properly protected. Excellent. Excellent. We're going to emancipate them from their own parents as as we emancipate ourselves from them, and then so, sue them. Yep. Yep. Just, Yep. Call us Lori. Leave Call it vulnerable. <laughs> yep, exactly. We don't care who is affected by Especially our plan. Two, two-year-old twin nieces and nephews of that ours. That we love. Ha, 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 ha. Get ready, babies. Long calm, and Andrew Bergantz, AJ Bergantz. It's the long Andrew. calm. I don't know why I called him Andrew. It's the long con. <laughs> we started this podcast to get to this point. <laughs> get you, Andrew. <laughs> True. Oh, um, uh, oh, I've got to and remember this time. Okay, I've got and one. remember. Um, that I found out today that a the 10th president of the United States has a living grandson. Uh-huh. Grand? The 10th. Grand yes. son? A gr- grandson. What? So the he. Fuck. I know. So whoever, Taylor Jackson or whatever, I don't Mm-mm. know his name. 10th president of the United Mm-mm. States had a wife who had six kids. Then she died. He then got a much younger wife Mm-mm. who was like 30 years younger than him. She Mm-mm. had seven kids. Mm-mm. He was, the, the son was uh, born when when his father was like 64 years old. Oh my God. Then the son goes on to do the same thing. He has a first wife. They have six oh kids. Oh my God. 
he, she dies. He gets a second wife who's so there's much like younger. So like a 120-year span in this family. Yes. Oh, yes. my God. He has his son when he is 74 years old. Oh, so there's a 130-year span between. Fast forward. Holy this guy is now like shit. in his 90s or whatever. Oh, my God. Grandson of the 10th president of the United States. <laughs> I did not confirm this. I did not take the time yet. No, it makes to, sense, like, though. Make sure. Yes. Can you believe that? Holy the, shit. And the person on TikTok was like, I'm just, this is pointing out how young our country is. Yep. And don't have kids when you're 74 years old. Jeez well, Louisa. And or I dude, saw, I don't know. yeah, but I saw, I saw a TikTok that said that 8,000 years is only 80 mothers. And that, <laughs> so crazy. I'll never get over that. But that's, no. Like, the older you get, the more you realize that how close everything is, right? That 10 years is yes. fucking absolutely nothing. That it, Just forget right? about it. 10 years is yeah, like nothing. It's like when you're a billionaire and someone's like, I need a million dollars. And you're like, here you go. Like, that's how, when you're 43, 10 years is zero years, right? It's yes. nothing. Even though I've only right. had four of them, right? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Yep. It's no time at all. So yes, I, yeah, they, I used to they, think that when my youngest was born, when he was like two, I was like, yeah. oh my God, like this is only... One year is a half of his whole life. And that's why everything feels so long when you're a kid, right? And then it yes. just speeds up and speeds up and speeds up because yes. you have the perspective of time. Yeah. And so there Passing. are only 80 mothers in one in 8,000 years. Yep. Unbelievable. All right. Well, so good luck, leaving good you luck with that with information. That mind bend. <laughs> we love you. Thank you for being here. We love and you so we'll much. We'll see you very soon. We'll good. see you so soon. Good, 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 goodbye. Goodbye, goodbye. <laughs>